Poetry night rings through. That was our first set. Let's, let's have a hand for all the poets in the open mic. Let's do that. Getting ahead of myself. I got excited there for a second because I'm about to call up our feature. I was getting excited. So let's, uh, let, me, let me take a step back there. Um. It's the only proof. It's the only proof of what we do. No one else will believe you. What'd you do? I went to a poetry reading. No, you didn't. But now we're taking notes. This is really exciting. Yeah, that's true. Enough of that. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome Peter Ludwin to our stage. Well, hi guys. It's really uh, it's an honor to be here. Um, I'm going to be reading primarily from uh, my new book, Rumors of Fallible Gods. But I thought I would start with a couple of poems from my first book, A Guest in All Your Houses. I think I'll put this over here. And um, this poem is called Glenda. You could tell she'd been around, scuffled for years in bars all over Colorado, looking for that one breakthrough gig. Something in the eyes, a weariness, afraid hunger that said, hold it, thorns grow here, and you might trip over the scars. But that was for everyday life. After the slick harmonizing duo sat down to normal applause, she climbed on stage and let us have it, her rough, smoky voice, a scorched earth policy that destroyed whole villages and made us want to eat steak raw and have mistresses and die from orgasm in a nest of tropical vines. Outside, high in the Rockies, snow was melting. Why she hadn't made it was one of those mysteries, the disappearance of the Maya, the backside of the moon. You had to catch her in the moment, a meteor from the night desert floor. You had to be looking for it, dark water, darker earth. Thank you. This is called fry bread. Uh, there's references in here to various um, massacres and places in Anglo-Indian history in the 19th century. They'll be pretty apparent which ones they are. The Navajo woman below the entrance to Monument Valley makes the bread unsmiling sells me a pair of earrings with a minimum of talk. You think anyone can have a bad day. Anyone can be tired. Maybe it's her period. 
Maybe her car broke down or her husband got busted in Cayenta. But then you remember the girl at the convenience store in Cameron and the one at the checkout stand on the White Mountain Apache Reservation and the one in the jewelry shop at Taos Pueblo, all with that impassive gaze that accuses you just for being there, for reminding them who they are, so far from the center of things they become invisible like dangerous thoughts pushed behind a wall of denial. And in that look you can see Sand Creek and Wounded Knee and Washita and the Dry Tortugas. The roll call of massacres and broken treaties still clung to over a hundred years later, as if to let go would shame them, would constitute an open betrayal. And you want to say, hey, it wasn't me. I had nothing to do with it. But you just pay for your fry bread, your earrings, your groceries at White Mountain, and get in your car and go. Because when you think about it, all those pirate lives you've lived, the pleasure it gave you to destroy, to play the Grand Inquisitor, you realize the chances are you did, you know you and all the rest of them. This is called Canonized and um, there's an epigraph that uh, is under the title. The epigraph is, the spiritual lives of drug traffickers are very complicated, by Froilin and Cecil. They hanged you in 1909. A thief, the common people, said stole from the rich and gave to the poor, or so the story goes. Some, afraid of your power, insist you are only a myth. But look at you now, Jesus Malverde, at your shrine in Culiacan, snapshots of marijuana plants and AK-47s, known here as goat horns, crowd the walls. Women brush flowers dipped in water across your face. You have your own beer. Hotels feature you in their guides. Eligio Gonzalez built the shrine to thank you for healing him after being knifed and shot by bandits. Moises Garcia claims you helped him kick his gambling addiction. And you have company. In Tijuana, migrants pray for safe crossing to Juan Soldado, an executed rapist. Young men flex biceps tattooed with Santa Muerte, a long-robed skeleton with a scythe. Others flock to Jude Thaddeus, who Catholics say aids those with desperate causes. But who could compete with the patron saint of drug traffickers named Jesus? And not just Jesus, but Jesus, evil green. So here's to you, Malverde. You're a rock star, more present in death than you ever were in life. If some think it a little bizarre, what does it matter, hombre? This is Mexico. And who holds a monopoly on the peculiar? People have prayed forever to stone and wooden idols, golden calves, sun and moon, Baal, Moloch, Satan, magical snakes, earth mothers, virgin mothers, ascetics, plants that get them high, witches, demons, gods of semen and the dance. 
and to an obscure desert carpenter. A lot of the poems in this book are set in Mexico, which is uh, a country I really love and um, spend time each January. I go down to a, a workshop there. And uh, the town where the workshop is, is held is San Miguel de Allende uh, in the state of Guanajuato. It's uh, over 450 years old. It's a national historic site. And uh, this is called For an Indian Girl Asleep in a Tiny Hammock, San Miguel Market. Daughter of earth, believe this rain that does not fall, the hummingbird whose wings vibrate your name from a jasmine flower. You will learn drought, the blood-cursed order of things, soon enough. Loaded down, a burro plods into the storm. Dark seed survives where other plants do not. Each morning, rooster and bell acclaim you. Still, ancestral voices lie trapped beneath the cobblestones. If you braid your hair, you will go deaf. So let it plunge from your shoulders and free them. Corn grows tall from its roots. In these latitudes, innocence colors itself copper. Hold it close, and when you find a good man, take him deep underwater. There we go. And this is breakfast in Baja. Restaurant Jalisco, the sign read, a two-room adobe hovel sticking up like a wart from the desert floor. No, you said, it's too funky. We'll get something nobody's got a cure for. But we went in anyway to the little patio with its lone table covered with sand, which the old man's wife swept away with her hand before she took our order. You didn't want anything, but she misunderstood and brought out two plates of eggs and beans and tortillas, which we had to eat or insult them and slink away like whipped dogs. And you grudgingly conceded how good it was while she kept bringing more plates of tortillas without us saying a word. And avocados and chickens ran by from the garden. And three kids kept trying to get the radio to work by beating on it with a hammer. And the old man went about his chores, hauling buckets of water back and forth, the two meals coming to about a dollar seventy-five. Do you remember, my friend, how that breakfast lasted all the way to San Felipe, where the pelicans flocked to greet us. Thanks. Uh, the book has um, a number of, of poems that are eight lines long. There's 12 in, in each section. There's two sections in the book, kind of an old world, new world dynamic. And... Um, I'm going to read a couple from the New World part. This is called Through the Looking Glass. <clears throat> what was I seeking two miles high in the Andes? 
not goose-stepping soldiers, but they were there, nor coconut vendors splitting the shells with machetes. I'd read my lonely planet guide. I knew the gemstones scattered through its pages. But one afternoon over tea, when Maoist guerrillas were plotting death in Lima and Ayacucho, Hector Ponce de Leon raised this question with his cup. Have you read Henry Miller? And this is called New Year's Day in San Miguel. From my hotel room, I look down into gardens, into courtyards of people living side by side, at geraniums, hibiscus, poinsettias like blood stars, at palms and a giant mimosa, the small poodle humping its larger companion. I'm thinking about the view into this room when a rooster tells the whole damn neighborhood about the guy wandering naked in number 53. Yeah. <clears throat> moving into the old world section now. Uh, my other favorite country that I've ever been to is Greece. Um, which I visited in my 20s. And this is called A Chance Encounter. Because she had once married a Greek, because I'd traveled to Greece in the 60s, because we were visiting a mutual friend on the Upper West Side, we had this conversation. And though I protested when she sat down that I had to get some sleep, she insisted on just one small glass of wine which became two and then three, as we agreed that where Kazantzakis was transcendent, Sartre was empty, and Hemingway merely small. Her hands spoke passion, as if releasing flocks of doves into her voice, a soft liqueur blend of European Texas that drew me into that old yearning for the expatriate life, for garnet angels and mandolins raining down on Russia, and I thought, yes, there's that chorus in the blood, the one that's attended all our births, to track the minotaur, the iron tyranny of things, to find it and destroy it with the dance, with epiphanies of water swinging up onto its head like a naked acrobat as light pours in from the sea. Uh, five years ago, I was in the Czech Republic uh, for a couple of weeks doing some readings, and uh, on an off day, a friend and I took um, the train about an hour north to <clears throat> Terezin, which was uh, one of the principal co uh, Nazi concentration camps in, uh, in Czechoslovakia in uh, World War II. On that occasion, several poems. And then uh, some months later, uh, I was still kind of thinking about it. And uh, I wrote another poem, not set in Terezin, but just basically relating to <clears throat> the experience historically uh, of Jews in Russia. It's called Pogrom. 
came on a cloudless day when the heat bore down, came as surf, a dark speck vomited on the horizon, came scything and threshing from the dawn, the swollen Dnieper, came drenched on a Cossack saber, came where coins were half-counted and yeast refused to rise, came for the daughter, the strong seed in her belly, came for the fire immune to water, for the grain and the cloth and the long shank of terror, came for menorah and timbrel, the vestments abandoned in flight, came for the lamb and the jewel-eyed cock, came for the law, for the book and the tablets, came above all for the color, the red streak staining the village, came to harvest, scatter, plow under, came as wind to erase, stamp out, reeking of smoke, of sweat and rank leather, came riding, came screaming, came. Um, last summer I was in the Tibetan region of Sichuan province in China. And um, so this is, um, I was very sick when I was over there. And uh, this is an eight-line poem from that area. I was in a tiny little Tibetan community called Tagong. It's called Tagong, the Wild West. A pack of dogs roams the muddy street that bisects this one-horse Tibetan town, and a dead one stains the sidewalk with his corpse. Rough-looking kampas gather by their motorbikes. In the clinic, a young Chinese doctor gives me a three-hour IV and a shot to bring my fever down. Obama, he says. Kobe. On the mountainside, prayer flags thick as stars. And when I was living in Europe uh, in the mid-60s, uh, one of the places I went to was North Africa. And uh, so here's another one of the eight-liners called the mother of all markets. There's a reference in here to dirham, which is the monetary unit of Morocco. Monsieur, a boy asks, you are leaving Marrakesh? Brian and I are walking out of the Jamal al Fina, the beyond crazy heart of the Medina, the moon a silver dirham above the crenellated Kutubia Mosque. Yes, we say, recalling three blind beggars, the dancers, drummers, tribesmen, women in veils. Yes, we are leaving, leaving Marrakesh. And oh, the regret, my son, the regret. And I'm going to finish with um, two new poems from a third manuscript I'm putting together. Uh, this first one is called Why the Indians Never Stood a Chance, and it's actually based on a, on a true incident. Set to leave Illinois for the West, she found the wagon so full it held no room, not even for a humble iron. But she was off to the promised land, and it would go too. 
Tied to her waist, the iron dangled between her legs, bruised weary flesh across Iowa, Nebraska, high, dry Wyoming. When her husband became too sick to walk, she pushed him ever westward in a wheelbarrow, the iron swinging with each step, each bump in the trail to Salt Lake. See her there sometime in 1847, a salmon having just fulfilled a fierce migratory hunger, battered, spent, iron held triumphantly aloft. Steam rises from her laundry toward a sky so empty, so clear all her sins evaporate like rainwater after a passing storm. She has walked through country claimed by Kansas, Pawnee, Cheyenne, Arapaho, Bannock, Shoshone, Ute. With a hand calloused and hardened, weather-beaten as a shack of clapboard siding angled away from the wind, she wields the iron like a tool to brand a calf. One by one, smooths the damp wrinkles. Thanks. And the last poem um, is called That Country, That Time. Uh, in the 1970s, I would go up to Okanagan County and pick apples near Tenasket. And uh, so this, this poem relates to that. It was a sky hard as chert when the geese told their story. It was sorrow on the mountain a forlorn honk misting the tamaracks and pony breath near the aspen grove. It was hunger driving the wild, fevered eye, frost joy the magpie called its own. It was the groan of the apple bin, a harvest that fed my resurrection. It was squashes and raw cider for sale along the river, the dregs I chewed like barley, thinking nomad. It was storms I inhaled before their arrival, barns crippled and strapped for deliverance. It was rose hips and a lost flame kindled. It was charcoal in the bone. It was the hole buried in night song, the theme propelled by guitars of the blackbird who never came down. It was sauna and snowbanks and a pale moon talking. It was dream cloud and cabin as rosin flaked from the bow. It was the dancer spinning too far off center, the bare branch wind whipped by tears. It was a promise, a beveled thorn, and always, always, it was the heart, the insatiable heart of it. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, keep it going, please. Just to make us doubt, doubt, and doubt, and doubt, and doubt, doubt, and doubt, and doubt, and doubt, and doubt, wearing us down, down, right down, in public spheres, suddenly lose our intensity. If you want to write about something, you can be honest.
I'm missing the thingy thing. Um, let us move on.